0: Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in.
1: Well, it's great to see you guys here this morning. I am Pam Carey, uh, ministry coordinator here at the church and pastoral student. I've been on stage one other time before, and that other time I talked about biblical community. It's something I'm passionate about. You usually see me up here making announcements, so... I thought I'd give you another announcement while I'm here on stage and it has to do with biblical community and it's our next women's ministry event. It's our adventure night out at Roush World. You've heard us talk about it maybe a week or two already, but this is just a great time for ladies. Um, and girls, thirteen and up, we want to start mixing the different generations together. Mentor relationships pouring into the younger generation, the older generation learning from the younger generation. We can always learn from each other. So, ages thirteen and up, out at Roush World, September twenty seventh, from six to eight, and um, they're going to have. We're going to have food, and we're going to have like board and brush. Um, Hummer ride, scavenger hunt, you can bring your own ATV, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I would encourage you to go to our website, check it out, get signed up, invite a friend, and join us. So we are finishing. The book of Mark, our summer series today, and as Pastor Ryan said, we're covering chapters 15 and 16, Um, but I want to quickly revisit Mark 14, which is what Pastor Ryan covered last week, and if you were here, you saw the really cool visual of the Lord's Supper and how he explained the different positions of the people that were reclining at the Lord's Supper, Um, we also, you know, in Mark 14, we have Judas's betrayal that we read about and Jesus's arrest. And then the trial of Jesus before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, right? It was an illegal trial done in the evening. They really wanted to get rid of Jesus and they were going to find any way they could to get rid of him. And then we see where Peter denies Jesus. And then that brings us to Mark 15, which I've titled confronted with the cross. You see, when we're confronted with the cross, a cross to carry for Jesus, we either choose Jesus or we choose the world. We deny ourselves or we deny Jesus. If we look at Mark 8, it says, In calling calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. We're called to choose Jesus over the world. We're called to pick up whatever cross is set before us and carry that for Jesus. On a daily basis, we have a decision to make when confronted with the cross that we need to bear for Jesus. Are we gonna choose the world or are we gonna choose Jesus? Are we gonna deny ourselves or are we going to deny Jesus? And so as we look at Mark 15, as we jump into Mark 15, we're gonna look at the story of Jesus' crucifixion. And we're gonna see some characters, for lack of a better word in there, who were confronted with the cross and had decisions to make. Mark fifteen one through two, says, as soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priest tied Jesus up led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So they've had this illegal trial. And then in the Roman government, they start their business, they start their trials as soon as possible at daybreak. And so they had the illegal trial before the Jewish leaders, and then they took him to Pilate. They turned him over to Pilate because the Jewish leaders, they could not execute their own criminals. So they had to turn him over to Pilate, the Roman government, and so Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He, being Jesus, answered him, you say so. Now I want us to jump back to Mark 14. This is the trial before the Sanhedrin. It says again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. You see, they didn't like that he was claiming to be the son of God. But they knew that the Roman government wouldn't care if Jesus was claiming to be another God because the Romans, they had many gods. So he would just be another one that they would add to the collection. They knew that the Roman government didn't care about that. So when they brought him before Pilate. They said he's claiming to be the king of the Jews. Well, in the Roman culture, there's only one king, and that's Caesar. Now we have a political threat. Now the Roman government has to pay attention to this. So at this festival, there's a festival that's happening right now, and it's the Passover festival. This is where annually The Jewish community is celebrating the exile from the Egyptians and the slavery back in Exodus where they're celebrating when their firstborn were saved as God's judgment came down upon the Egyptians and their firstborn were taken, they were killed, right? Annually, they are celebrating this. And this is the festival that's going on. It's the Passover festival. So at the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas, who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. You see, Barabbas, it says he was a murderer, but what he may have potentially belonged to was this Jewish group called the Sicarii, the dagger bearers. And they would have daggers under their cloaks, and they were on mission for murder and assassination. They were these extreme nationalists, these patriots. Um, And so the crowd may have seen Barabbas as a bit of a hero to them. You see, the crowd was not made up typically of Jesus. It, w- it probably was not made up of Jesus' followers. They wouldn't have expected to, G- to have Jesus on trial before Pilate that morning. They didn't know that the Sanhedrin was gonna have an illegal trial with Jesus during the evening, and that Jesus would be before Pilate in the morning. So this was just the Jewish community from Jerusalem. So it says, the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom, to release a prisoner. Pilate, now Pilate knew that Jesus was an innocent man. It says, Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. Pilate didn't care for the, for the Jewish leaders. They weren't his favorite. He knew they were up to something. His wife had also warned him to wash your hands of Jesus. She was tormented in a dream. So Pilate was trying <laughs> to get away from having to make a decision about Jesus. He says, but the chief priests, the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, stirred up the crowd so that he, Pilate, would release Barabbas to them instead. So the Jewish leaders knew that this, that the, the people that were, there, that were there watching the trial that they may have viewed Barabbas as a bit of a hero, and they played on that, and they stirred them up so that Pilate had no choice but to release Barabbas. So wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. On a daily basis, when confronted with the cross, we either choose Jesus or we choose the world. We deny ourselves or we deny Jesus. And in this moment... We see that Pilate wanted to satisfy the crowd. He wanted to take the path of least resistance. If he had made the decision to release Jesus, he would have had this political uprising on his hand. And he didn't want that. But I want to ask you, how often do we make decisions based on our desire to satisfy the crowd? To not look weird to people, to our family, to our friends. To not take the hard road, but take the easy road according to the world. Every day we have a decision to make. Are we going to satisfy the crowd or are we going to choose Jesus? Choose the world, choose Jesus. Deny ourselves or deny Jesus? So we jump back in. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them and after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. So flogging back in that time wasn't just the whip. It was a whip with these metal pieces on the end that would tear the flesh and the muscle. It would have lead balls and sheep bone just to hurt and damage the flesh and the back as much as possible. And these Roman soldiers would beat the criminals just short of death. You see, they didn't want the the criminals that were condemned to being crucified, they didn't want them to die before being hung up on the cross. They used the cross during this time as a way to deter criminal activity. So they didn't want these criminals dead before they made it to the cross. They wanted them hanging on the cross because people would walk by and they would see them hanging there and it would send a message that if you don't listen to us, the Roman government, this is what happens to you. So they beat Jesus with this, just short of death, tearing his flesh down to the bone an innocent man suffering for us. The soldiers then led Jesus away into the palace. That's the governor's residence. And they called the whole company together. So Jesus is flogged. He's beaten. He's been up all night with this trial with the Sanhedrin. He's exhausted. And now they take him before this whole company of soldiers who then put a purple robe on him put a crown of thorns on his head and begin to hit him over the head and spit on him and mock him. This innocent man, again, he's being mocked. He's being beaten even further. And it says, after they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple robe and put his clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. So at this point, Jesus is still able to walk. Probably not very well. He's probably pretty exhausted and he's so beaten down. But he's still able to walk. And so the criminals had to carry their cross. Now what we typically see is is the people carrying the the full cross. That's not accurate. Um, More than likely, they had the cross beam that they were carrying. 75 to 100 pounds, still a lot when you have been beaten and flogged and your flesh is torn apart. So this map right here kind of gives us a quick uh, view of Jesus' um, night. He was uh, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he was taken to the palace of the high priest for the trial before the Sanhedrin. Then he was taken before Pilate. Pilate thought he had a way of not dealing with Jesus, so he sent him to Herod. Herod sent him back to Pilate. Nobody wants to, <laughs> nobody wants to deal with it. And then that's where Pilate had sentenced him to be hung on the cross. And then he was led out to Golgotha, outside the city walls. There's a couple different places. They're not entirely sure where, the, uh, where Golgotha is, uh, but there's a couple different places that they have a good idea as one or the other. But it was outside the city walls. So as Jesus is carrying the cross beam, he falls under the weight of the cross beam. He's exhausted and beaten. It says, they forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry Jesus's cross. He was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. So then they nail Jesus' wrists to the cross, nail his feet, hoist him up to hang on the cross for our sins. You see, Jesus submitted to his heavenly father's will, for you and for I. This innocent man came to earth to take on our sin so that we could spend eternity with him. So as he's up here on the cross, it says those who passed by were yelling insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, ha, the one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests with the scribes were mocking him among themselves and saying, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. And I love this quote from David Guzik. It says, it is precisely because Jesus would not come down from that come down that we believe in him. Jesus did something greater than come down from the cross. He rose from the dead. Jesus could have come down from that cross. He submitted to his heavenly Father's will. He took the cross for you and for I. He bore our sin on that cross. An innocent man. I can't even imagine. He, did, he took the sin of, of past, present, future. He took the sin of everyone, you and I, and future sin on himself so that we could be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. So as Jesus hung up on that cross, he let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The presence of God was no longer confined to a room. We had access at this point now to Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is living inside of us. We don't have to go to a building. He is within us says, when the centurion who was standing opposite him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. There was something different about this, something that caused this Roman soldier to acknowledge that he was the son of God. When it was already evening, because it was the day of preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, the Sabbath is our day of rest. And the day of preparation, they would use to get everything ready so that they could rest on the Sabbath, says Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised that he was already dead. Sometimes they hung up there for quite a while. He couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. says so summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had already died, and when he found out, he gave the corpse to Joseph. After he, Joseph, bought some linen, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen, then he laid him in a tomb, cut out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. And that brings us to the end of Mark 15. Now I want to take a few moments, and I want to look at some of those characters that were mentioned in the story. They didn't get a lot of mention, but we can see how they responded and things that we can learn from them when they were confronted with the cross. We're going to look at Simon of Cyrene, the centurion and joseph of arimathea back in mark 15:21 says they forced a man coming in from the country who was passing by to carry jesus's cross he was simon of cyrene the father of alexander and rufus now what we know about simon of cyrene is he was from africa he traveled about 800 miles to jerusalem for this passover festival this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go feast in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. He didn't jump in a car and drive there. He didn't jump on the airplane and go. He either walked or, if maybe he was lucky, he went by boat. Either way, he had to plan for this trip for a long time, save up for it. This could have been the trip of a lifetime for him. This is just a quick map showing us where Cyrene was and his journey to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And there probably weren't paved roads for him to walk on. This was a strenuous trip. So let's think about that. Simon is preparing to go to Jerusalem to have this amazing experience where he's um, celebrating the Passover festival. When he's on his way into town, and a Roman guard, Roman soldier, taps him on the shoulder with his spear, pressing him into service. Simon had to comply with what he asked him to do. And what he asked him to do was to carry Jesus's cross. You see, Simon of Cyrene was a Jew, but he, it does not say that he was yet a follower of Christ. So he's being pressed into service, right? He's chosen to carry Jesus's cross, follow him and enter into his suffering. He's here for something that he's been looking forward to. And now he has to walk behind this person that, that people are saying is a criminal and carry their cross And hear and experience the insults and the mocking as he's following Jesus, carrying his cross. You see, sometimes we don't have a choice in the cross we have to carry, but we do have a choice in how we respond. We can be bitter and angry, close our minds, turn away from from Jesus. Or we can be open to what he's trying to do in our life and we can allow him to transform our hearts and transform our lives and draw us closer to him. Reveal gifts that maybe we didn't know we had that he wants to use to advance his kingdom. And yeah, it can be hard and it's not fun when we're forced to carry a cross that we don't want to carry. But Jesus is with us. And he's trying to break through to us in those moments. So we jump back in and it says that Simon of Cyrene was the father of Alexander and Rufus. What is, why do we mention that? What is it, why do we care who his kids were? Well, the early readers of the gospel, those who were reading this, that meant something to them. So we, we weren't told that Simon was a follower of Christ yet, but now we're mentioning his children. They must have known, the early church must have known who his kids were. Even in Romans 16, 13, when Paul's writing to the Romans, it says, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother and mine. If this is the same Rufus, he was important in the early church. Paul was close with him. Paul was close with his mother. So Simon of Cyrene, I have to believe that his heart was transformed by his encounter with the cross. This was a memorable experience for him. He could have gotten to Golgotha. He could have thrown the beam down and walked away. But something in this scripture tells us that that's not what happened. And this was a transforming experience for Simon and his family and for the early church. So if we look back to Mark 14, I wanna jump into the next thing about Simon. It says, they, the disciples, all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him. They, the soldiers, caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. They were so afraid when Jesus got arrested that one of them ran away naked. They didn't they deserted Jesus. These people who had done life with Jesus for 3 years, his closest friends, like his family. He gets arrested and they run away. They are scared. One of those disciples would be Simon Peter. And now we see Simon of Cyrene carrying Jesus' cross. Last week we learned that Simon Peter during the Lord's Supper was laying, was sitting, laying, in the servant's position. And now we see Simon of Cyrene serving Jesus in his place. It says, God does not work by coincidences. You know, it's not like, oh, that was just a coincidence that happened. You see, God works through his divine plan. He has a divine plan and we can choose whether or not we're gonna be a part of that or are we going to allow someone to take our place? Isaiah 46 says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. God's will will be accomplished whether or not we're a part of it. He will find someone. Simon Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples and the rest had abandoned him. And now we see Simon of Cyrene serving Jesus. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. His name was Simon. And where was that other Simon? What a silent but strong rebuke this would be to him. Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, where wast thou? Another Simon has taken thy place. Sometimes the Lord's servants are backward where they are expected to be forward, and he finds other servitors for the time. If this has ever happened to us, it ought gently to rebuke us as long as we live. Brothers and sisters, keep your places and let not another Simon occupy your room. Don't let another Simon occupy your room, your place in Jesus's divine plan. When confronted with the cross, Simon had a choice to make. Choose Jesus or the world. Deny himself or deny Jesus. Simon of Cyrene could have used that moment and been very bitter about this ruined trip that he had, but instead he allowed Jesus to transform his heart. So I want to ask you, have you been allowing someone to occupy your place in God's divine plan? Is there something you're being called to that you're not being obedient in. And God is going to find someone else to accomplish his will through. Now let's look at the centurion. It says, when the centurion who was standing opposite Jesus saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. So here's what we know about the centurion. He was a Roman officer who commanded a unit of 100 soldiers. A century, 100 He was most likely the one supervising the crucifixion. He was in charge of the crucifixion. He would have been present for the beating and the mocking of Jesus. He would have seen the way that Jesus responded to those that are accusing him, those that are lying about him, those that are beating him, insulting him. And he had witnessed many crucified before Jesus, but there was something different about this. He had witnessed many crucified before him, but this was different. And then it says again, that when he saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. You see, Jesus had been in front of the centurion the whole time. The centurion had been with Jesus through the trial and through the beating and the mocking and then had supervised him being hung on the cross. Jesus had been in front of him the whole time, but it took the power of the cross, seeing the way that Jesus died on the cross, for him to break through to the centurion. When confronted with the cross, the centurion had a choice to make. Do I deny deny myself or do I deny Jesus? Do I choose the world or do I choose Jesus? And he stated, truly, this man was the son of God, He acknowledged that this was the Son of God. Again, he could have faced ridicule. Here he was, this person in charge of crucifying him, and now he's saying, truly this was the Son of God. I gotta believe that he had a personal encounter with Jesus, transformed his life, set hearts on fire. When we have a personal encounter with Jesus, when we really know him, He has the power to transform our lives and set our hearts on fire for him. So I want to ask you, are you missing Jesus right in front of you in your everyday life? Are we too busy? Are we full of anger, bitterness, jealousy, whatever it might be? Are we focused on other things, worldly things, that we're not looking for Jesus and that we don't see the way that he's moving all around us? Is he trying to break through to us, but we aren't looking for him? Jesus wants to break through in our lives. There's so much more that we can experience in our relationship with him. There's so much more that he wants to accomplish through us for his kingdom. We have to be looking for him. We have to allow him to break through to our lives. And lastly, worship team, you can come on up. Joseph of Arimathea. Says Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself looking forward to the kingdom of God, came and boldly went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Now here's what we know about Joseph. He was wealthy. Says he was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin, the ones who tried Jesus. He was a well respected leader in the Sanhedrin, the ones who put Pilate or Jesus before Pilate to be hung on the cross. Very likely, he was present during Jesus' trial before the Sanhedrin. Some say that what we know about that trial could have come from Joseph. And he was a secret disciple of Jesus. You see, during that trial, it may have said that he didn't agree with it. But it doesn't say that he said anything against it. You see, he shrunk back. In that moment, he chose the world over Jesus. He was afraid of the repercussions of standing up to the Sanhedrin, of losing everything he'd known. But when he saw the way that Jesus endured and carried the cross for us and submitted to his heavenly Father's will, he went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Despite Joseph's past inaction, he showed courage and boldness when confronted with the cross. He chose to serve Jesus in whatever way he could in that moment. No matter what decisions we've made in the past, what inaction has taken place in our lives where we've chosen the world over Jesus, it's never too late to make that choice and to live for Jesus and submit to his will and be part of his divine plan. He wants to use us. He's given us all gifts to serve him in his kingdom. So when confronted with the cross, Joseph had that choice to make, choose Jesus or the world, deny himself or deny Jesus. And when he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, he knew he could lose everything that he had known, everything that he was used to, the status that he had with the Sanhedrin. But he went with boldness and courage. So I wanna ask you, what do you need to do today to be bold and courageous for Jesus. Are there things in our lives where we know we're called to step out in faith, to step out against uh, what the world would say is popular and be bold and courageous for Jesus? Are there choices that we need to make to submit to God's will and be part of his divine plan? Is there an area in your life where you need to choose Jesus Jesus? over the world I think we can all say we all have an area right what is Holy Spirit speaking to us right now saying you need to choose Jesus in this moment in this situation I'm going to end with this Jesus chose us so let's choose him
0: just close your eyes for a moment and really ask yourself the question Is that really a statement I can say right here, right now? More than anything, do I really want Jesus? Just with your eyes closed, just think about that. Jesus, do I want success more than you? all these likes on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook more than I actually want you do I want gossip more than I want you do I want curse words more than you Do I want my way more than You, Jesus? May as we sung that together, may it not be a lie from our lips, but a truth from the depth of our heart. I just want You, nothing else nothing else will do I just want you we want you son of God come and be king of our lives for you bought us back and you redeemed us from darkness into light from bondage into freedom we want you Jesus oh we want you we want you in our lives we want you in this church body we want you for our city in this state, in this nation we want you Jesus we want you oh I just want you nothing else will do I just want you nothing else will do I just want you oh Jesus Jesus may that be our cry, our passion that we would come to the well of the true living water. We're thirsty and only you can truly satisfy the thirst of our souls. Heavenly Father, this world has a ton of things to throw into our path, our discipleship journey with you. Help us to say... And no to the world, deny the world, deny ourselves and choose you, Jesus, in all things. Each and every morning we can wake up and say, I just want you, Jesus. Nothing else will do today. I just want you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. that you shed for us. Thank you for the cross. We pray this in the name above all names, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated real quick. Oh, Jesus. And team, keep playing behind me again. Mark 16 begins with the idea that the Sabbath is over. And John Mark, the writer of the gospel according to Mark, John Mark writes that there are three women, Mary Magdalene, his mother Mary, and Salome are there. Early in the morning, they're gathering their spices to go anoint the body of Jesus, They're ready to go knowing Jesus is dead. And they were going to get something totally unexpected. In fact, the 11 disciples are now locked themselves in the upper room because they think three years of following after this rabbi Jesus. Did we waste our time And if they could kill our rabbi, they know where the disciples, his students, his learners, are they going to come after us as well? So they're locked up in the upper room. Yet these three women go thinking, now that the Sabbath is over, we can go and anoint the body properly, give him the proper burial that Jesus deserves. And they get there. And their expectation was going to be blown out of the water. Instead of finding the body of Jesus, Mark records for us that they find a young man. The other gospel writers will tell us it's an angel. And probably like you and I, we would be shocked by it. You and I are going to a tomb to expect to see a body, and instead there's something else in there. And it says that they were alarmed. At this point, and Mark records this in verse six. This young man, this angel says, Don't be alarmed. He told them, You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Three words that changed the course of history He has risen, He's risen you came to anoint a body but you can't find the dead among the alive he's risen he's not here see the place where they put him and their world slipped upside down that resurrection morning And here's what's key to us who follow after this Jesus, who follow after the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is this. The resurrection is the central fact of the whole Christian faith. You have to marry the cross and the resurrection. The resurrection gives meaning to the cross. Because if the tomb isn't empty, then the blood of Jesus is just another Jewish boy on a cross. But the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection gives meaning to the blood that was shed on the cross that you and I are bought back with his blood. We're made in right relationship with God now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the tomb is empty. That's the way Mark ends his entire letter. The resurrection of Jesus. At the very end of Mark 16, you may see that Mark 16 tends to end at Mark 8, or Mark 16:8. Then there's a line in my Bible... And it says some of the earliest manuscripts, that's MSS's manuscripts, include or conclude with Mark sixteen eight. Then there's a whole section that's added in there. What that means is they found some other manuscripts that had that section in there. And we still have that, but it's letting you know some of the earliest manuscripts of John Mark's gospel didn't have that section in there. We kicked off this series all the way back in June. If you remember that far ago. And we looked at Mark 1-1. Side note, really quick. The fun fact about that naked man that ran away when Jesus was arrested. You remember that part that Pam said? And that, you know, the... Ran away as they tried to grab him, and his cloth, linen cloth fell off, and he's naked, and he's running away. That's no one else said, Thank you, thank you, thanks for laughing. I I find that funny. Like, this guy's running away naked in the middle of the night from all these Roman soldiers that came to arrest Jesus. I'm sorry, I think that's funny. Don't try to picture it too much, though, just picture this man running. Here's what's great We believe most biblical scholars would say They actually think it's the author John Mark He's going to tell you a young man Because he's not going to say who he is He's like I'm not going to I'm that naked guy running away That's just fun That's Bible knowledge I forgot where I was going Mark 1-1 These 12 words beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the son of God to the way he ends his gospel he's risen he's not dead, he's alive and we said the way Mark begins his gospel is he's making us choose what are we going to do with Jesus because you can't read and be neutral and read the gospel of Mark. He's pinning who this Jesus is against your and I's opinion. Is he the son of God? I declared he was and I showed you he's a risen son of God. You have to choose now. Choose the world or choose the risen son of God. But you got a choice. What are you gonna do with this man right here? That's what John Mark is calling all of us to do. A journey through the life of Jesus Christ. But what will you do with him? And I believe this Jesus is not someone just to discuss as much as someone to meet. And John Mark is introducing us to the Son of God, and there's an invitation on the table do you know him? Do you know Jesus? We're not asking today if you know about Jesus. Atheists know about Jesus, the devil knows about Jesus. Agnostics who don't know where they stand with God know about Jesus. I wonder if there's Christians in this room today and watching online that you think you know Jesus, but you don't know him personally or intimately. You just know about him. The question is do you know him intimately? Do you know him not just as Savior, do you know him as Lord and Master? Do you know Jesus is the one that you truly in your life have said, Jesus, you've got the wheel. And you know Jesus has the wheel of your life. And you're right here in the uh, passenger seat saying, I surrender, I bow to you. Just take me where you need to go, Jesus. Because you died for me. It's you. How many of us today Said, so, Jesus, I've got control of my life. I just want to make sure you bless my plants. You're just an add on, really, Jesus. You got me out of hell, thanks. Now watch me live my life, and I'll see you when I die. think there's an invitation to let go of the steering wheel for some of you today just let go and say jesus you took my place on the cross you took the beating that i deserve and jesus says trust me surrender and allow me not just to be your savior but allow me to be your lord your master trust me at this time I'm going to ask our prayer partners to go down to the corners please maybe for some of you you've got to figure out your faith thing our prayer partners would love to lift you up in prayer maybe for some of you you're like man I, I don't know if I am saved I, I'm not quite sure Go see them. Let them pray over you. For some of you, you're like, hey, today's the day. I'm making a commitment. I'm following the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Go down and pray with the prayer partners. They're there for you. I love our prayer team. They're there to lift you up. We need each other. We're going to close with this song, Oh, Praise the Name. It's a, go ahead and stand. I want you to think about this song as we worship. This is a song that is Mark 15 and Mark 16. It's a declaration of our faith that we will praise the name of Jesus because he came and will come again. And when he came, he helped usher the kingdom of God here on earth and bought back, redeemed us and brought us back into right relationship with the God of this universe, the creator who loves you immensely. church. I want to speak boldly your name. We speak it over our lives. We speak it in our families. We speak it over this church. We speak it over all the churches in this community. We speak your name over this community a holy boldness God to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ may we go may we go and be obedient to where we live where we work and where we play to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others Jesus thank you for your blood thank you for the empty tomb thank you now we are made new in you Jesus thank you for the inspired word you gave John Mark to write down what you had to say Holy Spirit as he penned ink to a parchment paper and we have your word today And we get to know more about your son, our Savior and our Lord because of the obedience of John Mark to feel your tap on his shoulder and say, write these words down. And here we are 2,000 years later still seeing the movement of Jesus Christ because of his obedience. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.